0: Heyman and you're listening to Changemakers. I'm joined today by Justine Roberts, the CEO and founder of Mumsnet. Launched to help parents pull information and advice, the site has gone on to become the UK's favourite forum hosting over 10 million unique users per month. Contributors have included Jamie Oliver, Dawn French, Gok Hwang, Claire Bolding and even Hillary Clinton. Little wonder then that former Prime Minister Gordon Brown described Mumsnet as a great British institution. Justine, welcome to Changemakers. Let's start with that great British institution. Is that a way to describe Mumsnet now? to those that, you know, I guess have grown with it, love it and still talk about it. Yeah, I
1: mean, I suppose we're in internet terms, we are pretty geriatric because it's a bit like dog use, isn't it? So we've definitely been around some might say we were sort of before our time in a way so yeah i mean I, I i think we have a fair amount of detractors as well as people who love us but isn't that the way with most british yeah, institutions?
0: So, well, yeah. well i suppose we'll, we'll go through those some of the detractors a bit later but but i mean for now <laughs> le- le- let's like, <laughs> let's stick let's stick with though with you know what, what has been a you know a, a journey and as you say i mean probably the the ultimate sort of early stage social media experiment born from a mistaken holiday take 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 us right back to the beginnings for this.
1: Yes it was way back before the start of the millennium and, and and it was in a time when everyone had a startup idea to be honest and you couldn't sort of walk along the street without someone stopping you and regaling you as to what their startup idea was. I was a new parent of, of young twins and embarked on my first holiday with, with my husband and we swiftly Realized that we had made a lot of bad decisions, mm. um, the wrong destination, the wrong resort, the wrong time zone, and frankly, the wrong children. And it was some unmitigated disaster. And I think the light bulb moment was because it wasn't just for me, it was everyone, every parent who'd spent their hard earned cash and time going to this resort. The, it was a bit of a light bulb moment that it would have been better if we could have tapped into the wisdom of others. And there's this thing called the internet, which now allows you to do this because that was quite new then. Mm. Um, And it's obviously, it's not just holidays. If you are a parent, you struggle with all kinds of things for which you're remarkably untrained, Mm -hmm. and which are incredibly important. So to be able to tap into the wisdom of others. That was the idea. The internet allowed us to try that. And I went back and, and gave it a crack.
0: But I always think when you listen to a lot of great entrepreneurs, so many things sound so sequential and, and logical mm-hmm. with the benefit of hindsight. But at this point, you know, you're a trained economist, journalist. What's something gets you to think you're going to be a dot com entrepreneur?
1: Well, I didn't really ever see it as being an entrepreneur. And maybe this is a uniquely female thing, but I mean I just wanted to solve a problem and I didn't really think my chances of success were that high but it happened to fit in with my life. I'd left the city as soon as I got pregnant actually knowing it was no place for for me at that time you know, being a mother and, and working in the city wasn't viable for me. And so it was a kind of moment to experiment, really, as much as anything. But I, I, if you'd asked me to rank my chances of success, I would have put them at pretty low, simply on the basis that, as you say, I hadn't really had much experience in either, you know, running a website or, or running a business.
0: But, but what I've loved reading about you, Justine, is that are some fantastic pieces of advice, which presumably you've gleaned along the way from, from that journey, from advice about wearing trainers, right the way through to the thing that's going to keep you going through the hard times is the fact that you really believe in what you're doing. Let's start with belief and maybe we'll come back to the trainers in a minute.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think I was solving a need and the need was essentially mine. I, I was, a, you know, a completely untrained parent of quite demanding premature twins. And I had lots and lots of questions. So I started a website partly to fulfill my own need. And there were, you know, it was questions, but also, you know, isolation, loneliness, just being able to tap into like-minded souls and people who'd been there and done that and realized that much of of parenting is really only a phase. And the key thing is not to get too exercised about it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was passionate about the need and the solution. And of course, it's not just parenting. Mumsnet, very little on Mumsnet now is about parenting it's it's really about human relationships
0: phenomenal forum of opinion Um, yeah
1: and 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 it's people checking in and wanting to evaluate and validate their emotions as much as anything so you can get the answer to anything on mumsnet and and we all need a little bit of help with answers so yeah the passion comes from the fact that it actually was useful and purposeful mm. and helpful to people and and I you know I had a hunch it would be helpful to me and then it turned out to be helpful for lots of other people so uh, uh,
0: and it always tra- it always struck me that you know you, you were you're a person in a hurry we'll, we'll get on to talk about you know just the various branches of activity <laughs> that you've taken mums then. but but let's just very quickly talk about trainers they obviously um <laughs> mean something to you in terms of they're a big piece of your advice wear trainers it's a great way to fit in exercise without going to the gym <laughs>
1: exactly i uh, think it's you know it's that to, killing two birds with one stone. I'm always running late for things and, and literally, if I'm in trainers, I can run, which stops me needing um, a gym. It's, it's sort of been harder in COVID because I haven't had so many meetings to go to. But also, I'm actually right, really passionate about like why do women wear he- shoes that cripple them and why is it in the... You've seen the Apprentice episode where they all have to run about and, and pick up items and the, the women are all in these massive high heels, tottering around, being much less effective at that task. And yet they still do it and they're probably getting bunions as well. So, mm. you know, it's it's a, it's not just about efficiency. It's also about a, a statement about why we why as women we do ridiculous things because we're told, you know, that they, uh, they're conforming and make us look beautiful. So there we go. Do, it's a bit you, political as well. Do
0: you think, well, I suppose, I mean, just keeping it a little bit political, then, I mean, do, do you think Mumsnet has played a role in, in moving the stereotypes often associated with, with parenthood along, do you think?
1: Um, I do think so. I remember... We once we got asked, to I think it was 2008, to send one of our contributors to the G8 conference as a blogger. And she was really um, learned and had a PhD in the environmental studies and all kinds of things. And she said all the other media, whenever they talked to her, would start speaking very slowly <laughs> because she was a mum. <laughs> and I do think there has been, and he is still to some extent, well, it's, it's pretty derogatory the way people think of mums. And maybe it's because people think in that way about their own mother, but that they are insular and dull and boring. And many politicians who've come on to mum's death have displayed that sort of underestimation of our audience in that they think they only want to talk about childcare or they only want to talk about, you know, women's issues. Whereas, in fact, you know, it's 51% of the population. We vote and we're quite interested in the economy and Trident and all mm. the rest of it. So so I think we may have helped a little in moving that along and, and certainly we've 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 made a bit of a noise about some of that stuff and that's good in my opinion
0: how early on in the experience i mean because you know you're right to say that you know politicians have have spoken to mumsnet forums during during elections and of course you know you've had some incredibly well known people that have have actually given their time to to share their thoughts on on parenting but i suppose one of the reasons for that is that mumsnet as well as being a forum feels very much like a movement in the way that it brings is people together in terms of an understanding of what you really had on your hands with mums there how soon in in the journey did you realize that actually this might well be something that was in groundbreaking territory
1: well it certainly wasn't what we set up to do you know i I didn't sort of think at the beginning we were going to be a campaigning organization or indeed have any kind of political influence or anything i think it was just circumstance that politicians wanted to be seen to be using social media. and remember it was all new, but mums, they could understand a mum's audience, although, as I've said, they frequently got it wrong and thought mums were only interested in, in mum's stuff. But, but they were keen to be seen to be negotiating this. And, of course, there is this feeling in political circles that the women's vote is less tribal, it's more easily influenced come election time. So at election, we've noticed a lot more at election Mm. times by politicians. And when that started happening, it sort of was remiss of, I thought it would be remiss not to, try and use the ear of the that we had of some quite senior people to try and get effect meaningful change for our users so, but it's always about what the users want and mm. you know it's we don't sit there and plan it um, in advance
0: do, do you feel sort of speaking i i i guess as a as a pioneer in the in the internet space that that technology has been a force for good for mums and dads um in terms of their ability to be better parents
1: um, i do think being able to check in and to ask that really important question am i normal beyond your immediate circle who you often can't talk to about very sensitive and difficult issues so for instance if you if you can't stand your middle child or you or even your mother mother in law in fact more likely your mother in law you know it's quite hard to ask that amongst your immediate circle of friends or even on Facebook for obvious reasons. So I do think, you know, you are tapping into the wisdom of millions. And and very often you can find someone who's gone through the incredibly specific situation that you have gone through, with, mm. whether it's a child who's diagnosed with a particular problem or whatever. So, yes, in that sense, I think it has been helpful um, to help with that question. Is this normal? Will this last? And Mumsnet does that very well.
0: Do, do you think there? I mean, I'm thinking about things like the social dilemma and, you know, the recent revelations yeah, about yeah. Facebook and, and others. I mean, do you see that there might well also be a, a flip side in terms of the relationships of, 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 of people with technology, especially when it comes to something as sensitive as parenting?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I will confide in you, Michael, though, that when I watched The Social Dilemma, I sat there thinking, why don't we do any of this stuff? And, you know, <laughs> not even one little bit, you know. So Mumsnet is sort of pure, partly by being incompetent, I suppose. So in you know, we do not. And in fact, I often used to get people writing to me asking to be banned because they were addicted to Mumsnet through nothing that we did other than it's the content of the other people. You know, it's the, the users that were, were the attraction, not the fact that that we sort of gave them dopamine hits by asking them back. But I do think, I mean, in in a broader sense, the internet has presented massive challenges for parents. Because Mm. I think we are one big experiment, one big guinea pig generation of our kids, you know, being absolutely immersed and addicted to this thing, which has many benefits, but also potentially many difficulties in terms of mental health and the rest of it. So I'm not blind to the fact that um, you are exposed to a lot of people who speak their mind sometimes quite bluntly on mum's net. Um, Mm. And we ask people to be civil and we try our best to to moderate for that. But sometimes even hearing the truth is quite difficult for
0: people. And I wonder, I mean, just moving on to the experience of of parenting in a pandemic. I mean, the number one podcast during the pandemic was Rob Beckett and Josh Widdicombe's Lockdown Parenting Hell. In terms of the, (laughs) the lockdown experience for parents, but also as a platform and business builder how's that been do you think
1: I think for, well first of all for our audience who are 90% mothers I think it was you know incredibly tough and we had this thing called a swearometer where we we we, we map the number of times people swear on mum's den and and it had these incredible peaks whenever you know, the school closures were announced or whatever, because parents were struggling, and particularly mothers. All the evidence shows it's mothers who who really took on the bulk of the homeschooling. It's mothers who, and in some ways, it shone a light on the iniquity that still exists amongst parents in terms Mm. of domestic duties and stuff like that. It was more than tough. I think it, you know, it's literally breaking for many people. And uh, 75% of our users admit to having mental health issues during the pandemic. I mean, that's enormous. And it's a similar number for their kids, by the way, as well. So really, really tough. And particularly tough for mothers, and and yeah on the business thing I mean very, well we're a business that's funded largely by advertising and advertising you know took an immediate hit so it was tough too mm-hmm. but uh, but we would also having said that we did we certainly you know picked up active users and and people use internet <laughs> quite a lot more so so it wasn't you know we we made it through put it like that but some of our users had it really tough
0: I mean I, I, and I I think that you know the ledger in terms of the downsides of 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 this domestic violence you know just the inequity of of roles and responsibilities the difficulties does anything from that that very difficult period come out of this that gives you any sense of positivity that actually the experience of parenting might might actually change because of this or is this just a kind of you know, sort of another day in the life of a planet with a lot of problems?
1: Um, No, I think there are some very tangible um, opportunities and benefits. First of all, flexible working was the number one ask for our users who who largely were grappling with the bulk of, of parenting responsibility and trying to sort of work full time. The number one ask was, you know, can we can we work flexibly? And I don't just mean fewer hours, I don't just mean part-time. I mean, being able to work from home, being able to work from home so you can be there for school pickup or be there for kids' tea is immense. And I don't think that will change. I mean, you know, we may, we may sort of gradually go back to a bit more office time, but I, I don't think we will ever lose the flexibility mm. and the ability for people to do Zooms, right? Do conduct business in a different way. So I think that's a plus for sure. Um, I, I, you know, as long as the kids are at school, it's a plus anyway. And I think, yeah, uh, you know, my my sort of hope is that, as you say, the inequity of the domestic relationship is because the light has been shone on it, there's no hiding from it. There's no hiding from it. And those, those battles will be fought, I think, in the home now. And, and maybe there'll be some changes there.
0: And, and I suppose I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, debates that, that you know, have, have long been raging, like, you know, the, the provision of childcare, just to name one of those. I, I wonder if the experience of parenting in the pandemic makes that more or less likely in terms of viewing I think you've described it as essential infrastructure in in the past does it make that sort of change in attitudes more or less likely to happen do you think?
1: I think but there's a I mean potentially but I think there's something even bigger and that is that you know we've all realized that the government can spend money on stuff if it needs to and big change can happen quite quickly so I think you know when you've been campaigning for sort of 15 years on stuff you, you you can get a little bit jaded and think things move very very slowly everything has to be incremental you shouldn't you know there's very little funding available and um, the money isn't you know there's no money trees but what has been shown is that government can take quite big decisions to do things differently and I think childcare should count as one of those things I think there are tremendous benefits to proper provision of childcare across the country the economic benefits as well as you know, general benefits to families. So hmm. hopefully that'll be one of those things that now, we look at differently now.
0: Now, we are also talking at a time where another major debate on the planet's to-do list is is its very future, sustainability of the planet, climate change. Hmm. My other guest this week is Guy Shanchev, the, the founder of reusable nappy brand Bambino Mio. I mean, it, is that the sort of business that I, I suppose signals the change in in the minds of more sustainable parenting or 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 are there special rules when it when it comes to that early stage position and the relationship with of parents with their children
1: look i think parents want to do the right thing when we survey our users they all want greener options but the greener options you have to be practical you know if you're if you're battling with four hours sleep a night and a colicky baby, you know, you you're not the best will in the world. You're not going to necessarily be able to soak your own nappies and 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 you know <laughs> scrub them for hours on end. So it's about options and choices. All wipes should be plastic-free and flushable, and it's things like that. And I think there's a lot can be done via incentives, and that's another thing that the pandemic's shown us is is you know via incentives. We you know the furlough scheme, whatever government can make huge differences so what I know is our parents is it, are the parents or mums that want to make mm. of course <laughs> do, they do they care about their kids future and
0: and is that is that can you actually chart that change do you get it do you get a sense that the conversation has definitely. shifted in terms of what in yeah. terms of what what people are talking about tell us a little bit of can you give us an example for in, in example when you say definitely what what's going through your mind
1: well we we, just, we have a kind of Ability to sort of check check the mention of different words and and understanding of of different conversations via natural language processing. To see that issues just are becoming, these kind of issues are just talked about way more than they used to be, not surprisingly. So it's quite a good barometer, Mumsnet, actually, of the way parents are thinking about things by tracking language over time. Mm. And there's some quite interesting things we can do. So yeah, without question, this is top of the agenda. And so it should be, right? It should have been top of the agenda some time ago.
0: Mm. I mean, you are tracking language and tracking, I guess, speech, and 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 indeed you are a very strong advocate for free speech on Mumset. Now, obviously, one of the areas that I think you'd probably agree has become quite a contested area has been the issue of transgender issues. And indeed, I, I interviewed a recent guest, Anil Sebastian. A non-binary artist. they said that the trans narrative has always been either erased, mis-told or, or weaponized. I mean, when you look at it through the lens of, of Mumsnet, how, are you happy with where things are at on this particular issue?
1: No, I wouldn't say I was happy. I mean, I think it's so polarised. I mean, our view is on all issues, not just this issue, is that the only way to sort of reach consensus is to allow differing opinions And as long as those opinions are are legal and civilly expressed, then I think there's a great deal of value in working quite hard as a platform to make sure that you have diversity of thought. And, you know, that sort of filter bubble where you only hear like minded people that you might get on other platforms simply doesn't happen on Mumsnet. On this issue, I think it's. You know, it's it's really disappointing that there is a kind of shutting down of a debate which actually talks about you know all kinds of people's rights and 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 really matters to people's lives in many different areas. And mm. we need to make new policy on this. But
0: when, but when does a right become a responsibility? Do you think, in terms of the, I think there is the a need-
1: responsibility to be civil, and and a responsibility to listen to the other side and to try and put yourself in those shoes. And that's what we moderate for. You know, we've had a transgender, an LGBT parents board on Mumsnet since 2014. And we have many, many LGBT parents. You know, it's 11% of our, User base. So you know, this is not about shutting down those parents or that idea. But it's about mm. saying there are there are competing rights in this debate, and all we, we haven't taken a side. On all we're saying is those competing rights should be heard, or we will never reach a reasonable resolution on this.
0: And and how do you feel about the potential use of, of legislation to prevent anonymity on on, on social media with, with with the aim of, of preventing abuse?
1: I don't think it will prevent abuse. So, I mean, I would argue that one of the reasons Mumsnet has been around for 20 years is because it's a remarkably civilised space on the web, where largely people are going out of their way to help each other. And yet, our users are anonymous. So I don't think, number one, anonymity necessarily leads to abuse. I totally understand the argument that if, you know, someone's pissed off, they're probably going to more able to say what they think anonymously on the web than they would face to face. You
0: sound like Greta Thunberg, using that phrase there, Justin. She's No, don't worry, go on. Was, I, um, joking.
1: <laughs> I totally get that. But there are also, you know, we shouldn't forget the massive benefits to anonymity. You know, as set's incredibly useful, the reason people use it more than anything is they get answers to their really, deep felt problems and they can ask those deep felt problems because they can do it do so anonymously and they can get answers from experts because they can do it anonymously the baby with the
0: but do you need to have a civilized space as to use your phrase for that to work or or, or do you feel that I there think, are moments yeah. where you have to treat it differently because of what's going on
1: I think you need to, and I think all the big tech platforms should have much more responsibility on moderation. We've always paid for professional moderators. We we answer reports on average within an hour. I've written to Twitter before about stuff that's gone on Twitter, and it's a week before I've got a response. I think the big platforms have shown no responsibility because it's easier for them to say, we're a dumb pipe, it's nothing to do with us, and that's not acceptable anymore because without... Some values and some purpose, and and actually living those values and moderating for those values, then it does sink to the lowest common Mm. denominator.
0: I'm thinking, Justine, as we speak, I mean, if I could wave a magic wand and take you back to that holiday from hell in terms of everything that we've gone on to discuss in this interview, which started with a, a forum for mums, then a forum for parents, then a forum for grands and granddads grand as well. All the things that you've you've looked at. If I was able to sort of give you a chance to sort of, you know, make some course corrections during that, are, are you happy with the choices you made or are there things you wish you'd, you'd done a bit differently?
1: Oh my God! There's things I wish I'd done differently every day, (laughs) every day. What's the Um, big one? I mean, it depends what you mean. From a from a business sense, I mean, when we started, really about six months after launch, the dot com bubble burst, and there was no money anymore. Everyone thought the internet was over, (laughs) and and it was like that. Never catch on. Yeah, six barren years of basically no business model, out of a back bedroom, no revenue, no salaries. And I think that scarred me quite a lot. And so when the sort of world turned a bit and Twitter and Facebook came along, and there was investment coming and all that kind of stuff, I think I was probably a bit slow and a bit cautious. Mm. Um, so, So from a business point of view, I think, I, you know, I think that was interesting. I, I, I was stuck in my.
0: So you uh, might have uh, gone faster, framework. you think?
1: I should have. We should have gone faster. Yeah, we should have. We should have invested more in technology and, and the, you know, the platform was allowed to get a bit sort of dodgy and ropey and old fashioned. And that's all my responsibility. So those are sort of business mistakes. Uh, you know, loads of, I've grown up so much of, um, from a sort of individual, you know, just how I, I work with people and treat people. I think, you know, you, you're a founder, you do everything yourself. You're used to doing everything yourself. You're not used to delegating. You're not used to trusting.
0: Has, um, has it changed your, your view about being a mum? Did, did, did the actual experience move, move your thinking a lot?
1: I think I would have. I think parents make often make better employees because they've had to, you know, learn negotiation skills, learn patience, all that kind of stuff. But actually, I think I would have made a better parent if I'd gone through my mum's net journey first and learned a bit about well I don't know you know sort of being a responsible human being and, and leading a, a team and all that kind of
0: stuff well well, I've saved my favorite Justine wisdom quote for the end because the one that I read that I really enjoyed was embrace the chaos oh, yes. Th- tell us a little bit about that and how how might you turn that <laughs> into an advice piece well
1: I think you're you know you're very good Michael because you don't ask me that usual question which I get asked which is how do you balance work uh, and life? <laughs> Um, um, is it the answer? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and it is the answer to that question. It is a question that men often don't get asked, even though they have children. But anyway, you're, you're very good because you haven't asked it. But, but I think if, you, you know, if you're going to basically, in my case, have far too many children and, have a, and run your own business, which means you'll kind of have to be on 24-7, then you have to understand that uh, you have to have very, very low standards in some respects. So for me, it was about, you know, working out what was really important to me and letting everything else slide. Mm. Um, I- and not trying to be a perfectionist and not trying to, yeah, not trying to sort of be in control of everything.
0: <laughs> I I, t- I read that and I loved it because I just thought that possibly has been one of the big things in my life that I've learned as well, which is that at the end of the day, we try and have everything beautifully organized and manicured but actually there's so much chaos and if you can embrace it you can work with it i think
1: yes i think embrace but that partly that means ignore. (laughs) carve carve out what's important and everything else just try not to let it bother you
0: justin roberts thank you so much for joining me on changemakers
1: thanks michael
0: changemakers is brought to you by the campaign's firm seven hills and presented by me michael hayman Pure Being is the name of our soundtrack, and it's written and performed by the brilliant B.T. Wolf. To find out more, head over to changemakers.works, and if you like what you hear, why not give us a rating?